your Locked On Flames, your daily podcast on the Calgary Flames. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to Locked On Flames. Today's episode is brought to you by rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Coming up, will the Islanders be a mirror image of the Flames in the conference finals? Plus, we tell you which Bruins player may be a good fit in Calgary. And we hit another edition of Would You Rather Wednesday. I'm Jess Belmosto alongside Sean Lavery. Be sure to subscribe and follow Locked on Flames for free wherever you get your podcasts. You'll get the latest episode of this podcast as soon as it comes out every day. Hello, Sean. How are you? Yes, I'm feeling good. We are doing Would You Rather Wednesday on a Thursday, which is uh, not bad after we missed an episode uh, yesterday (laughs) for uh, extenuating circumstances or however you pronounce that word. Uh, I have to tell you, my favorite, like, I listen to a lot of, like, podcasts and radio. Mm -hmm. Uh, My favorite one by far is the Dan Levitard show uh, that Mm -hmm. ESPN does. They have a segment every Monday called Weekend Observations. They didn't get to that until today. So I was kind of sweating missing Would You Rather Wednesday by one day. But uh, my favorite show missed their Monday uh, segment and didn't get to it till Thursday. So, you know, in terms of tardiness, we're not that bad at all, relatively speaking. So, uh, but yeah, feeling good. Um, I was watching the Eastern Conference Finals yesterday, Tampa and the Islanders. And, you know, remember after game one, Pete DeBoer said he was expecting basically a big comeback from the Islanders and it wasn't going to be eight two every game or whatever it was. Uh, and he was right because the Islanders were looking, you know, pretty good at mm-hmm. out shooting the lightning and, you know, they, they came back and they had a good bounce back game too. And then Kucherov scored with nine seconds left to make a one, one game, a two, one game. And the first thing I thought of, and I want to know if, if I'm on the right track here or not is the flames game four against the stars when the stars came back in like the final seconds of regulation to force overtime and then ultimately won the game as well um and you know we always talk about the flames being 12 seconds away from Mm -hmm. going up 3-1 in the series the islanders were just nine seconds away from forcing overtime which against tampa bay that feels like a really big deal so uh, my theory is now the islanders are gonna go flames like Calgary did against Dallas and the rest of the series is not going to be good for New York at all just because these last second goals in a playoff series we saw how much it affected Calgary it seemed like a a hurdle they never got over Um, do you think the Islanders are going to be on the same track as the Flames where kind of blowing game two with nine seconds left uh, is going to kind of just kill any positivity they had for the rest of the series yes Um, you know I could see if they had already won you know game one or if this was like game four, just like the flames. Mm -hmm. But um, I just, they don't have anything under their belt right now to kind of give them that motivation besides like an underdog comeback. And I don't know, like you see these videos of players reuniting with their dogs and stuff and like their family and the Islanders might just already be mentally checked out and being like, get me out of this bubble. I'm ready to go home. Yeah, so. that's, that's a good point. Like, I remember actually after that game four, when the Flames, when the series was 2 2 instead of Calgary being up 3 uh, 1, I forget who it was. It was either, it was someone from Sportsnet for sure. So uh, maybe Kelly Rudy or Elliot Friedman. But someone was saying, you know, the Dallas Stars, them being 
tying the series 2-2 was such a mental win for them because mm-hmm. the Dallas Stars are a veteran team more so than a young team. And when it, when you're a veteran team and you're down 3-1 and you're kind of facing two options of losing the series in like five or six games or going home after um, being away for so long. And when you're a veteran team, you know, obviously there's more dads on the team because just because there's older guys and, you know, so they have kids and, you know, everything to go home to. Um, when you're down 3-1 in a series, your mind starts to wander about going home a lot more than when you're oh, tied 2-2 and your mind is like so locked in on the actual series and, and still being focused just because of how close things are. So, um, you know, I wonder you're right the mental aspect of of just kind of how a series swings on one game is is such a swing and, and the islanders are probably going through it right now so uh, if it like the flames had something to lose they 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 had the chance to go to 3-1 the islanders didn't really have anything to lose it's it's two nothing um which isn't bad but i mean when you're facing the lightning like no offense <laughs> to the stars but it just feels so much worse yeah it definitely does and i think like i have an issue with Tampa because obviously like they're Boston's biggest hurdle to, you know, get to the cup final every year. But as a Calgary fan, you know, you have 2004, like the finals and just like that anger behind it. So, I mean, like, I'm glad that like neither of us are like, Oh yeah. Like good for Tampa. No, no. Well, no, I mean, uh, I, the only thing I like about Tampa is John Cooper. Uh, I'm trying to think of what else. I love Victor Hedman. Victor Hedman might be mm-hmm. my favorite defenseman in the NHL. Um, but, you know, like to be fair, they're, they're not playing with Steven Stamkos right now, yep. which we mentioned earlier. And they're still like, they, there's literally. They're still like, such a good team. It's insane. If you told me that the start, the, the Lightning are up 2 nothing, um without Stamkos, like, you know, it's it doesn't even feel like they're missing anything right now, which is crazy to say because they're missing their captain. But um, mm-hmm. that's just how good that team is. And um, yeah, you're right. It's it's the Lightning. So I mean, good for them. But you know, yeah, how much can we really be cheering for the Lightning? But in um, the other series, which is going tonight in just a couple of hours, we have Vegas and Dallas. Um, they are playing Game Three. Um, not too much there. It's I heard some reports uh, rumbling that you know uh, I think. The Golden Knights and Robin Leonard are really, you know, working more towards re-signing Robin Leonard in Vegas than um, anything else. So um, that was just a little piece of news that Jesse Granger of The Athletic put out today. But um, I would imagine Leonard is starting tonight and uh, just another tight, tight series. And like I said, this one has Game 7 written all over it. So, um, you know, Game 3 is not crucially important, but um, you never know. Yeah, I mean, I really haven't been watching... um too much hockey lately like that sounds so awful to say but like I am in the process of starting a full-time job and you know like I'll like watch like a period here and there and just kind of like fold my laundry while watching it sort of thing but like I have to say that the Vegas and Dallas series is so much more entertaining than the Eastern Conference series yeah and it's it's funny too because I remember when Dallas won game seven and beat Colorado. The amount of people on Twitter that were like going crazy that we lost a chance to see Vegas play Colorado in a Western conference final. Like uh, it it made it seem as if we're now going to get the world's most boring series, which obviously isn't necessarily true because like I seem to think it's going to be going seven games and it's been really tight. Um, But the, 
the the Vegas and Colorado series would have been so much more entertaining and it would have been, you know, that would have been like must watch TV. Whereas Vegas and Dallas, you can kind of just almost get away with, you know, not really paying attention and just kind of checking uh, game recaps here and there. Mm-hmm. Like, it, it, you know, there's, there's not that must watch factor really with, with, and it's more so on Dallas' side, like Vegas yeah. has the stars and everything else, but sorry, Vegas has the good players. They don't have the stars. <laughs> Dallas has the stars. Dallas um, has literal stars. Literal stars. So yeah. Uh, and I think even with the with the cup final, I think Vegas and Tampa, and we'll get to this. We're going to do Would You Rather Wednesday, and this is one of our topics for one of our later segments. But uh, Vegas and Tampa still has a lot of that, you know, must-watch factor, whereas I think any other of the three combinations, maybe not as much. If the Islanders are playing, uh, not as much. And especially if it's New York and Dallas, I mean, my God, that would be like the NHL's worst nightmare probably. So yeah. there's it, hope. It, like that just doesn't seem fun. Like, I, I don't know, like Vegas, like you could put Vegas on the ice against like a beer league team and I would have so much fun watching it. Like, it doesn't matter. I feel like I would love to watch them no matter who they play. And that's definitely like, I know you've said you've gone out to Vegas a bunch, but that's like, I, I don't, I wouldn't even necessarily go um, only if they were playing the Bruins or the Flames. Like I would go to see. Oh, yeah. I would just go to see Vegas. Yeah, no, exactly. Like when I went and bought tickets, so what I, my dad used to live in Vegas and I'd go visit him obviously. And um, the one time I went, I was, you know, really strapped with like work vacation days and I could only Mm -hmm. go in a certain time. So I'm like, okay, like whatever, I'll just book the trip. And I, so I booked the trip for whatever week in February it was. Um, And then I'm like, okay, like, Hey dad, do you want to go to a Golden Knights game? And he said, sure. And then I just looked at the schedule, not even thinking about who they play because I, I would have watched anything. Yeah. Uh, and it just happened to be the Flames. So, like, I got very, very lucky. Uh, but if you want to watch the Golden Knights play a beer league team, Jess, my recommendation to you would be watching any game <laughs> where Calgary is the visiting team in Vegas because they look like a beer league team there. They are so bad in that city. Um, but, yeah, it's it's an amazing thing. And if any hockey fan has a chance to make it to Vegas during the hockey season, um, you know, rather than spending that – money watching carrot top do stupid things i would spend that money watching the golden knights maybe play like the new jersey devils instead like it's yeah. it's a really fun and different environment uh, maybe the older crowd doesn't love it because the music and the bass is pulsing mm, and your ears true. kind of ring for a few hours afterwards so uh but it is fun so uh coming up next segment we are gonna get into a little bit of bruins talk um there is some news with bruce cassidy um and then also a potential trade target that the flames could be looking at out of boston so uh, just a little bit of more bruins focus in our next segment but of course we will tie it back to the flames uh that is coming up next on locked on flames but still uh, i gotta tell you about our friends at rock auto.com and rockauto.com is a great part great website for purchasing auto parts for your car and truck they're a family business and they've been doing this for over 20 years um, so they have that reputation that uh, you know you want from all businesses uh, when you go there uh, rockauto.com you know one of the amazing things about it is with things like auto parts and you know there's different kind of businesses where this applies where People who are in the profession, like car mechanics and things like that, those are the guys getting the great deals. And us, you know, kind of plebs and do-it-yourselfers, mm-hmm. uh, we don't get those good deals. But rockauto.com fixes all of that. They don't care who you are, where you come from, or what you do. Uh, you're going to get the great deal uh, no matter what uh, your background is, if you're the do-it-yourselfer or that pro mechanic. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpets. Uh, whether it's for your classic car or your daily driver, uh, they have everything to service every kind of vehicle that you have no matter what it is and 
they're not lying. I've been on the website. It is a lot of scrolling um, going through all the different uh, makes and manufacturers uh, to choose from. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck and write locked on in the how did you hear about us section that is locked on with two words so they know that we sent you. That is rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com. Locked on Flames continues. Don't forget to follow Sean and I on Twitter. I'm at Jessica Belmosto and Sean is at Sean underscore Lavery. So yesterday, um, Bruins underscore stats on Twitter tweeted um, a nice little fact or a little factoid, I guess, a little whatever, something up, yeah, a little tidbit sort of thing about um, Fluto from the Athletic suggested that DeBrusque is going to be looking for around $5 million per year this offseason. And he p- throws Noah Hannafin's name in there uh, as a potential trade. What do you think about that? See, I'm okay with this because I do like Jake DeBrusque. He's a very good player, and you would know um, – you know, far more than I would, obviously, but he's been hovering around 20 goals every season that he's played in the NHL so far. Um, he's a young guy. He seems like he knows kind of what it takes to win and, and kind of has that will to win. He doesn't seem like one of those um, typical guys where in Calgary where, you know, things kind of get hard and then he just folds. Like, I think mm-hmm. Jake DeBrus would kind of bring a nice element of competitiveness that, you know, the Flames keep trying to uh, clone from Matthew Kachuk and put into other players. So um, I do like the Jake DeBrus idea of him coming to Calgary. Um, now, in terms of what it would take to get DeBrusque out of Boston and into Calgary, um, the Hannafin connection is interesting. My question maybe for you, Jess, would be if you're going to move Hannafin out, regardless of where it is, let's say you mm-hmm. trade, him, trade him anywhere you want, does that mean the Flames have to re-sign Brody? Or you know, can the Flames mm-hmm. maybe get by without... Um, having either Hannafin or Brody next year? I think you would have to re-sign Brody. Um, I I think that, you know, both are huge on the blue line. And if you lose one, you're, you know, obviously that's a loss. But if you lose both, it's going to – you're going to have more problems to fix. And I think that – our wonderful GM, Brad Tree Living, has enough on his plate right now. So if we can, you know, help him in any way, just kind of not mess up the blue line too much. Right. So it's like knowing what you know about Jake DeBrusque, uh, having watched him as much as you have, mm-hmm. like would the positive that DeBrusque brings coming to Calgary, would that outweigh the negatives of losing both Hannafin and Brody in your mind? Like is, is DeBrusque even close to a kind of making up that lost ground or uh, is it not even worth it at all? I will, you know, like I love Jake DeBrusque. He is probably my favorite Bruins player. Um, but I really think that he could add, like you said, that competitive edge and, you know, it would make up a lot. Um, he plays a good defensive game, mm-hmm. you know, two way game. So I think it could be, um, could certainly be interesting. I, you know, I, I don't hate it. Yeah, it's it's one of these, like, the whole Brody and Hannafin thing, 
Like it feels so much of this Flames offseason feels like a game of dominoes where yep. you have to figure out one thing before you can figure out the next thing. So like, sure, yeah. maybe Hannafin for DeBrusque and the Bruins like that deal and maybe you want to pull the trigger on that, but you kind of in the back of your mind, like maybe you don't know what Brody uh, is going to want next season and maybe he prices himself out of Calgary. Um, and then you're kind of left screwed because you've already traded Hannafin without knowing the answer to the Brody situation. Uh, and the same thing kind of trickles through to, you know, even the goaltending and what do you do with Johnny Goudreau and Sean Monaghan, like all the whole flames off season. And I, this is why Brad tree living gets paid. What he does is because he has to figure out the order in which to make these things. Like we all kind of, yeah. every day it feels like something new pops up where we can like get distracted by that new shiny thing. And so today it's Jake DeBrusque and for Noah Hannafin. And, you know, it sounds like a, an okay deal. Like it, both, it kind of services both teams and their needs. Um, and then you just slightly lose sight of all those things we were thinking about previously. So um, the Flames offseason is, is quite the domino um, effect that, you know, and yes. we don't know where to start. Here's my favorite thing about Jake DeBrusque, uh, Jess, and I want uh, your kind of thoughts on it as our residence Bruins fan. <laughs> I've been referencing a lot of my nightmares of the Thatcher, Thatcher Demko, Mason McDonald yeah. draft of 2014. Is is this Boston 2015 NHL entry draft where they had the three picks in a row, 13, 14, 15 <laughs> overall? Is that kind of like the equivalent? Like, is that the most draft nightmare fuel thing that's going in Boston right now? Is is that 2015 draft where they've only hit on one of the three picks that they had? Yes, and everybody like hyper fixates on it, and like I get it. Like they could have had Matt Barzal, but like you still ended up with Jake DeBrusque. Mm-hmm. Okay, like. He is still a very good hockey player, <laughs> and obviously he isn't, like, on Barzal's level, but it's just like, come on, like, please, let's find something to complain about that, like, we can fix. Let's live in the present and not the past. Yes. It's just, it's so frustrating because I feel like um, Boston just kind of, like, the media in general and just finds like that one thing to harp on and they'll harp on it for like five years. It doesn't matter how big or how small it is. And it's just, it drives me crazy. Yeah. It's like, I haven't thought about the Bruins as much as I have recently since you and I have been working together. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when I worked in Toronto, obviously the the only thing of thinking about the Bruins is thinking about game seven collapses. So you kind of lose sight of everything else. So it's been nice to kind of go through the Bruins history and, and, thinking of Jake DeBrus today in that draft class to just put a smile on my face. Cause <laughs> it's one of these, and like, I don't want to rub it in a little bit more, but um, so the Bruins had 13, 14, 15. Here are the people who were selected 16, 17 and 18. Cause it's three in a row of just amazing mm-hmm. picks. You mentioned Matt Barzell. He was 16, 17 was Kyle Connor, who has been fantastic for the jets. And then 18 was Thomas Shabbat, who is Sen's <laughs> new number one D man and is probably going to win uh, at least one Norris trophy in his career. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a tough real. And I, you know, it was so fun going into the draft because it was kind of cool to have a team have three picks in a row. And it's one of these things we'll never see again. Um, but it, 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 this little, this little glimpse of these three Bruins picks, it kind of, um, it, it tells a story of a draft where, you know, you only hit on, you know, if you hit on a third of your draft picks, you're probably doing pretty good. Um, so it's, it's probably mathematically accurate that only one of the three Bruins selections turned out well. Um, but you know, whoever the GM was at the time and part of me, cause I don't remember who the Bruins GM was in 2015. If they had, let's say they picked Barzal, Connor and Shabbat, they would have like been the GM of the franchise's history of all time. So, um, it was fun for me to look back on this draft class and I hate to rub it in for you. (laughs) 
it's okay. I think that, uh, you know, it's one thing that we'll never forget for sure. But there is good Bruins news, Jess. Uh, yeah. Bruce Cassidy won the Jack Adams Award as the league's top coach this season. Um, probably not a super big surprise at all. Um, so I guess that is good news. I don't know how much you really care. Like you're, you're a team that should have been contending for the cup. So I don't know <laughs> if a Jack Adams award is any consolation prize at all. Um, but I was scrolling through the voting of the Jack Adams cause they released kind of how the voting trickles out, um, for everyone. Jeff Ward actually got a third place vote. So, uh, Jeff Ward, obviously the interim coach of the flames, he was tied for 15th in Jack Adams voting. And the one thing I laughed at is he received the same number of votes as Pete DeBoer, who is currently in the midst of a Western conference final and is one of the, you know, two or three best cup contending teams of these playoffs. And Joel Quenville, who is probably the coach of this like decade slash century slash whatever you want. Like Joel Quenville is the greatest active NHL head coach by far. So uh, if I'm Jeff Ward and I'm making a case to Brad Tree Living as to why I should stay in Calgary as the Flames head coach, I'm going to say, Brad, I got the same number of Jack Adams votes as the greatest coach of our lifetime and <laughs> Pete DeBoer, who is in the conference finals right now. Like this is just negotiation fuel. So uh, yeah. I have a laugh at that. That, you know, I was take, I wow, I can't even talk. I took a look at the voting too. And I thought that it was, weird to see uh you know just all just all the sporadic and different numbers and stuff but um you know Bruce Cassidy is obviously like a key part to the team's success and like a lot of Philly fans were like throwing a fit that um AV didn't win and I was like guys like the Flyers are good regardless of who their coach would be the Bruins are all over the place on paper and considering what Bruce Cassidy came into and how he's kind of you know going from a coach who supposedly didn't like the young guys and had an issue with them to a coach that really fostered that youth development and things like that and getting them on a level where they could compete at the same level as their veteran core is just I don't know i I didn't have much love lost for Philly there. No, I, I saw more outrage for Tortorella and the Blue Jackets mm. than I did, you know, Vigneault and the Flyers. So, um, yeah, no, no love lost for Philly <laughs> at all. Who cares about Philly? So uh, I think I think Tortorella probably would have had a better case than Vigneault, uh, oh, in my absolutely. opinion. But, you know, I'm not angry that Tortorella lost. I think Cassidy, for me, either one of the two would have been an okay yeah. choice for Jack Adams. In the end, uh, it's not really that big of a deal. Uh, unless you're you're Cassidy or or the guy winning it, whoever. (laughs) So uh, we will move away from topics that aren't very big deals and we'll get into big deal topics next as we are doing Would You Rather Wednesday, uh, but we're just doing it on a Thursday. So stay tuned for that. You are listening to Locked on Flames. Locked on Flames with Jess Belmosto and Sean Lavery continues. Don't forget to follow our show's Twitter feed at LO underscore Flames. Sean, so you are responsible for all of this week's lovely would-you-rathers. So thank you for that. Yes, hopefully it's not a bad segment because if it's a bad segment, we know who to blame. So let's <laughs> no. keep our fingers crossed here. Yes. So this is a, a makeup edition of Would You Rather Wednesday. Mm-hmm. So um, do you want to start? Sure. I can ask you um, our first question here. Um, 
you know, we've kind of poo-pooed on the Stars and the Islanders as, as not being, you know, the sexy teams of these playoffs and kind of the boring <laughs> uh, teams that have robbed us of like a series in which Vegas would have played Colorado and everyone would have lost their mind. So, you know, kind of build up some positive talk around that, the, either Dallas or New York. Jess, would you rather have the Stars lineup for the next five years or the Islanders lineup for the next five years? Oh, I don't even know. Um, you know, I guess, I guess the Islanders. Um, I, oh, that's so hard because I feel like I don't know the Islanders lineup very well. And you're not but I, Yeah, like every hockey fan can say <laughs> for the like the entirety of their life. Yeah, it's not like, just a 2020 thing. Right, like I don't even like with the stars. Like obviously, you have players like Jamie Ben, Tyler Sagan, Corey Perry you're two wonderful goalies but I feel like that's an older team compared to the Islanders this is a so good get, point yeah like I, I was thinking stars at first I, I kind of ignored the age factor um, which is totally irresponsible to do when you're talking about the next five years so uh, you raise a good point I think I still might stick with the stars uh, if, if I'm going to answer this question just because I, I looked at the, the blue line and the blue line was kind of the deciding factor for me uh like sure it would be nice to have matt barzell and i would probably take barzell obviously over ben or mm-hmm. sagan um but when i look at the blue line there's not much there at all really for the uh-huh. uh new york islanders like adam pellick ryan pollock like devin taves scott mayfield like these guys have probably never heard of uh nick Letty, <laughs> i've heard of but uh and then we look at the stars blue line and how good you know mira heiskanen was probably the mvp of dallas's series against calgary uh john klingberg is amazing jamie oleksiak has actually been a lot i thought he was just a big guy that was a that was in lineups for the sake of having a big guy in a lineup mm-hmm. but um these playoffs he's kind of changed that narrative for me and he's he's really become a guy who's been an impact player and then i would also choose the stars just so i can you know have a team that has Anton Kudobin on it, who yeah. seems to be quite a character and, you know, someone who just makes you laugh just by the way he is and the way he looks, not with really anything <laughs> he says. So uh, I think if I'm going to answer this question, I would seriously answer it because of the way the Stars blue line compares to the way the Islanders blue line is. But if I'm going to not seriously answer it, I'm picking it so I can watch Anton Kudobin, who looks <laughs> like the Michelin man play every night. Definitely. He's so funny. I just, I appreciate him. And I think like his post game quote sometimes are just so funny because he's like yeah like I just went out there and did what I had to do like I just did my job like he doesn't make it like that stereotypical yeah you know like pucks in deep right sort of thing so I want to hear a goalie say pucks in deep actually bring up a good point like imagine if if we asked Cam Talbot what went wrong against the stars and he just says we didn't get pucks in deep like that's not his fault he's not the one getting pucks in deep so um, yeah there we go Jess I'm going to ask you the next question as well because the way I thought of it in my head made a lot more sense than the way I typed it out on our lovely Google Docs so here's the premise would you rather have the NHL play a shortened season next season Um, so when I mean shortened season I mean less than 82 regular season games Um, and that gets the schedule back on track for 2021 and 2022 Um, so in in scenario a we have the NHL playing next season let's say it's whatever 60 games Um, and the benefit of that is that in 2021-2022 they can start their regular season in October like they'd normally do Um, or would you rather have the NHL in scenario b play a full 82 games next season in 2020 and 2021 um, which obviously would have a trickle effect to the seasons after beyond next season uh, probably starting in December as well so 
basically my question is uh, not next season, but the season after, would you rather have it start in October like it normally does? Or would you rather have it start later and maybe December just so that we can get back to 82 games in 2020, 2021? Um, I'm going to say start a little later just to get everything back on track because I feel like, you know, I, I don't know. I just, I don't like change. (laughs) I like my hockey when it's nice and cold in the winter and I don't have to go to games and look at the disgusting mess of the Bruins ice. And like, um, I went to a preseason game last year and it was September, but it was like 85 degrees Fahrenheit, obviously. Mm -hmm. And the ice was just a disaster. So if I could eliminate like summer hockey, I would. Yeah, that's, I'm on the same boat as this as well. I would way rather play a shortened season uh, with the benefit of getting everything back on track in the next few years um, than just playing 82 games for the sake of playing 82 games. And then, you know, we, we end up at a point where hockey starts in December and goes till August or something. Right. And definitely uh, there's a certain hockey insider. I don't want to name names, but. This guy complains about the season ending at the end of June, like on a normal occasion as is. Um, So if he had to then complain about the season ending in August, uh, (laughs) I think I would blow my brains out because I'm so tired of listening to the complaining. And my theory is, and I don't want to, you know, expose anything, but I think he complains about the Stanley cup being awarded in late June uh, because he misses those great June days at the cottage. And he only gets to go in July and August as opposed to June, (laughs) July and August. So um, my sympathy obviously is not lost as someone without a cottage. So and somebody who makes of, enough money exactly. to be an insider, like, for the, please. For the sake of, of having to avoid those complaints, because uh, there's nothing worse than listening to people complain. Uh, I would just rather get everything back on track, hopefully as soon as possible. So start the season in October, end it in late June, and have the normal offseason in the summer. Um, and it, it seems to be an okay strategy for the NHL because yeah. they've obviously grown into a billion-dollar enterprise doing so. So, uh, yeah, I think we're both on the same page there. Um Moving on to the next one, this kind of goes back to the Bruce Cassidy winning the Coach of the Year award. You're a Bruins fan. I'm probably more a Flames fan than anything else. Jess, would you rather have the Bruins win the Coach of the Year award or the GM of the Year award if you could only have one? Um, you know, I guess I would have to say the GM of the Year award because obviously, like, that's the guy that's playing Sims with your players and making all those moves um, and trying to, you know, build the build the perfect hockey team um for your coach but I think that I don't I don't know if maybe this is just me but I feel like a lot of the GM's work kind of gets like swept under the rug or just like looked over I guess because it's just kind of like oh these are the players on the ice but I don't know I guess I'd like to see Don Sweeney get a little little appreciation yeah, I think I'm on the same boat, obviously, uh, with GM. I'd rather have a GM of the year than coach of the year because I think if, you know, it's a, it's an award for one season, but if you're winning GM of the year, your team is probably in a good spot for the next couple of years at least, right? So um, I would definitely, you know, as, as a fan of a team rather than, you know, anything else, I would, I would definitely way rather have the GM of the year. And Like we look at this conference final, like there's three amazing coaches with John Cooper and Barry Trotz, uh and i'm missing one name what is it what is it pete the boar um so Mm -hmm. um there's you know three amazing coaches and then there's rick bonus right who you know no offense to rick bonus but he's not at that 
first tier elite coach like the other three guys. So um, I guess you can, I guess what I'm saying is you can make it by and you can make it all the way to a conference final uh, without necessarily having the coach of the year. Uh, now Rick bonus has obviously done a fantastic job, but um, you know, the point more so is you don't need to hire that tier one guy all the time. Like if, if you're having a GM who can feel the, or feel the great roster, then you're, you're going to be in much better shape, I think, than having a bad roster with a great coach.